This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Sandia set to break petaflop barrier with ARM. And a preview of ISC 18. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, this week in HPC, we've been waiting for this, a big ARM-based supercomputer, and now there are plans to deploy one at Sandia National Labs. Yeah, Sandia and uh, actually a bunch of other the NSA, NNSA labs have had prototypes of these ARM systems for a while, but this is going to be the first big one and the first basically production version of this uh, of this platform. This is a Hewlett Packard Enterprise Apollo 70 cluster, and it's going to top out at 2.3 petaflops using the Cavium Thunder X2 chips that we've talked about on, on the many occasions on the podcast. The machine's going to be called Astra, A-S-T-R-A, and it's set to be deployed later this summer. So we're not going to have it on this iteration of the top 500 list, presumably. It's, I, I haven't seen the list. It's not installed yet, but I assume this will be something we'll be looking for come supercomputing timeline. And this is a big deal. I, I, I'm still not sure whether we'll have any ARM systems on the top 500 list this time around. The Eisenbard system in the UK as part of GW4, we've talked a lot about, but I think that's not big enough. Right. And then this one, which is definitely big enough, is not delivered yet. But still, this is uh, this is going to be a really noteworthy system, getting ARM up into petascale. This is based on the Cavium Thunder X2 processors. Those are two gigahertz processors, and um, each node is a dual socket node with these 28-core uh, Thunder X2s. Yeah, it's uh, actually those aren't even the biggest and the fastest processors, but uh, for this system, that's the that's the one they've chosen. And uh, yeah, lots of nodes. So they got up to 2.3 petaflops peak, and we'll see uh, when they run Limpack how much they'll be able to extract out of this. This is a, a like we said, it's a new architecture, so we don't know a lot about it. But it looks like the the NNSA labs have enough experience with the pre-production versions of this that they were confident enough that they went out and bought a, a basically a production system. Now, I'm not sure how much production is going to be going on with this. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of software development to build up the ecosystem and to port some of the some of the DOE uh, NNSA applications to this. But with a system of this size, certainly they're going to be wanting to run uh, some of their applications, their mission critical applications, uh, in production. Uh, this this isn't a cheap system by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, you hit on exactly the right point that there's going to be a lot of development that has to happen on this supercomputer. This is 145,000 ARM cores. The Eisenbard system, by comparison, you were pointing out, is about 10,000 cores. So this is more than 10 times the size. Right. And there's a lot of uh, system software work, middleware work that needs to be done to get efficient performance at scale. And that's that's separate from the whole process of porting over applications from mostly from x86 architectures to ARM architectures and then trying to make sure they're running efficiently at scale. By the time we get to supercomputing, and this has now got some legs under it, that 
system software scalability, middleware scalability, and ultimately application scalability is going to be the biggest thing I'm looking for. What's been ported and how scalable is it? Right. And some of this has actually been going on uh, with the previous, with the pre-production systems. They've been developing some of the software stack at the at these national labs, including Sandia, uh, you know, things like the MPI libraries, the math libraries, things like that. They've been porting them over to the ARM architecture. Um, uh, and this is part of a larger program at the DOE called the Vanguard program. And they bought it, brought in other collaborators like Red Hat uh, for the for Linux and and some of the other players like ARM itself, the company to to support some of this work. So this is a this is a big push by the DOE, and obviously they think it has a future. This platform, this architecture, has a future at the Department of Energy. So they they're devoting a lot of uh, a lot of resources and effort into building up this ecosystem. But uh, since like like we said, there's no systems. Currently on the top 500 list, uh, I'm guessing the the actual deployment of some really big systems, Exascale and beyond, is is going to be a little further out. It's not going to be uh, these aren't going to be the first Exascale systems, except uh, of course for the the uh, postcase system in Japan. They started that development uh, years ago, so that's going to be the first really big ARM system uh, on Japan, and that's going to be an Exascale system, but for the DOE, we're looking at probably 2023 to 2025 to get these really big systems uh, with ARM going forward. Yeah, there's a lot to what you just said. Uh, obviously, we're looking at that post-K architecture with the Fujitsu custom ARM processor. But just as I was saying, this is a more than 10x improvement from Eisenbard to Astra in terms of scalability. To go from petascale to exascale, you've got to go 10x up three times and do that in three consecutive years before you get to an exascale in 2021. Now, that system from Fujitsu can essentially be thought of as a custom type of system using their own processor and the uh, post, uh, sorry, the enhanced Tofu interconnect on post-K, whereas this is a production system. We're, we're buying the, the standard HP Apollo nodes off the shelf uh, to build this system. This is something that uh, really any other HPC user could buy the same nodes and make a smaller version of Astra uh, for their own application purposes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, even Sandia is planning on a on a future system out there. I think at uh, maybe not exascale level, but certainly in that in that ballpark and they're they're looking at the next version of this chip now that chip itself might be fashioned after the same thing that Fujitsu is doing with the with the scalable vector extension uh, unit on that uh, on on arm the, the new spec or it may just be a follow-on to whatever Cavium is doing it just might be a Thunder X3 in the same vein as as the Thunder X2 we'll have to wait and see but certainly like you said there's gonna have to be another at least one more iteration uh, of this uh, of this chip to get to exascale if they're going to do it on a on a basically commodity basis. Now the last thing I want to hit on this, I always want to talk about the storage that goes with any supercomputer, and this is another interesting part of the story. HPE is also providing the storage, and in this case, it's 350 terabytes in an all-flash appliance running Luster in that namespace. Now 350 terabytes. 
not that much storage for a petaflop no. level supercomputer. No, and I think they mainly are going to use that as to do a burst buffer and and checkpoint and things like that. Certain hot hot data items. I think there's going to be a uh, a file system out there on their network that Sandia uses for their main file backup. This I think is just something to uh, almost act as as a burst buffer type of uh, system that that's directly attached to the to the Astra uh, compute nodes. Well, in any case, Astra will be a major story as we head into ISC next week. So the other th big thing we have to do this week in HPC is talk about next week in HPC. Um, you're already in Germany. I'll be on my way shortly. What are you looking forward to at this year's conference? Uh, well, a lot of things. I mean, one thing that's going to happen pretty quick is the, the new Top 500 list announcement. And uh, even though we can't reveal exactly what's going to be on there, I think I can reveal that there's going to be a, a shakeup at the top of the list that's uh, more significant than we've seen in, in quite a few years. And I'm, I'm not just talking about the top system. Uh, the top of the list got uh, got rearranged pretty uh, pretty significantly. So that's going to be some big news, uh, some interesting systems and some interesting upgraded systems to, to be talking about. Um, so, yeah, top 500, let's... Uh, <laughs> I think that's going to come out Monday. Let's put a pin in that, and we'll come back to that yeah. Monday with a live podcast. How about that? The whole thing, yeah. We're going to do a, a full podcast probably just on that, so there'll be a lot to talk about. And then, of course, on Monday also we've got the opening keynote from Maria Jerome. She's the CTO of CERN Open Lab. She's going to be talking about basically the CERN infrastructure, how they're upgrading it for the next version of the uh, large – Hadron Collider, which is called the High Luminosity Large Hadron Collider, that's going to require a lot more data. Um, it's going to generate a lot more data, so they're going to have to do quite a bit of work to re redo the storage and and the networking infrastructure in that uh, in that facility to keep up with that. This could, it sounds like a pretty interesting talk on on what's going on there. CERN, of course, is you know probably the most famous research organization in the world and it's been doing some of the most interesting research in the world so uh they're gonna she's gonna be talking a lot about the infrastructure that goes underneath that so that'll be an interesting keynote um and then uh yeah we can talk about some of the panels but why don't you why don't you chime in what do you what are you looking forward to at uh as you go into isc next week we're going to be involved in a lot. This is always one of my favorite uh, conferences, and I'll start with the thing that we tend to do last, which is the HPC market update presentation I'm going to give on Wednesday afternoon from 4 to 5 in Analog 1 and 2, and that's going to lead directly into our very popular Analyst Crossfire panel. And again, I've got a, a really exciting list of uh, panelists lined up for that. I've got uh, on the vendor side Alex Buzari from DDN as well as Ian Cole from uh, Amazon Web Services. And then I'm excited to announce that I'll also have Dipei Chan from China. He's with Sun Yat-sen University and Beihang University. He's been very involved in a lot of China's exascale plants as well as Stefan Schenk from BASF, which we've talked about as now installing a petaflop-level supercomputer for chemical engineering. That's going to be a really exciting panel. But then beyond the uh, market update talk 
on Wednesday afternoon along with the Analyst Crossfire panel. I'm one of the moderators again for ISC Vendor Showdown on Monday afternoon, 1 to 3 in Panorama 2. You and I are going to be doing a couple of live podcasts in the Top 500 Lounge from the show floor. Uh, Look for signage there for the times that we'll be recording podcasts. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to come by and see one getting done uh, right from the show floor. And Monday afternoon, I know we'll be talking about the the top 500 list. And then another thing that ISC uh, is doing this year that we're sponsoring and really excited about is the STEM Student Day to try to get uh, more students involved in supercomputing and HPC earlier on in their careers. Uh, as part of the STEM Day, I'll give a short presentation at the gala on Wednesday evening. Beyond the things I'm involved in directly, Sunday afternoon, one of the first things I'm going to go check out, there's an ETP for HPC event for the future of HPC or supercomputing in Europe, looking at post-horizon 2020 with a lot of great speakers in that workshop. And uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a full schedule, for sure. Yeah, I mean, mentioning the the STEM Student Day, we should also mention the Machine Learning Day, which I think is going on on the same day. Um, that's happening on Wednesday. That was a the day ISC did last year. I think it was started last year, and it's expanded this year for the sort of obvious reasons that uh, machine learning has expanded in this space pretty significantly over the last twelve months. So that's going to go on with its own keynote uh, session and uh, and other sessions going on that day. Well, we know that machine learning and artificial intelligence are going to be a hot topic again this year. And and in fact, yeah. there's there's a really good panel on talking about where's the influence of AI on HPC and where's the influence of HPC on AI. That goes in both directions. That'd be very interesting. Right. That's a special session, right? Will HPC transform AI or will AI transform HPC? And that's going to, yes. there's going to be a panel including, uh, and on that panel is Satoshi Matsuoka, one of the people that, that we certainly know, talking about this. I think that'll be a really interesting uh, uh, conversation going on there. That's going to be in the Panorama 3, I think, on the, uh, on the opening day. Well, uh, we always look forward to ISC. I'm definitely looking forward to be there, and I'll, uh, I'll see you in person in Frankfurt. Sounds good, Asin. All right, Michael, keep tuning in. If you'll be in Frankfurt, stop by and say hi. And if you won't, keep listening. We'll be coming to you live from the ISC 18 next week and talking about it this week in HPC. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.